Thanks for joining us on this special episode of the Father's House podcast. Today's lesson is a special excerpt from our recent 2021 Married People Date Night with special guest speakers, Pastors Kevin and Melissa Goff from The Rock Church in Phoenix, Arizona. If you are looking to get married or have been married for years, you'll definitely be blessed by this lesson. So let's jump right into it. Are you ready? Ready, ready, ready. Okay, Pastors Kevin and Melissa, here we go. Come on. Woohoo. How y'all doing? I was trying to be a gentleman, but you know, know. she outruns me. So I was focused on this thing I have in my mouth, and I was like, do I spit it out now? Or, oh. Well, don't spit it out. Well, you I'm just did. I'm going to spit it out right here. I'm like, okay. There so, you have it. Marriage 101. We're all different. <laughs> Wow, great to be here. How about, how about that fun game just now? I heard y'all just, wow. I felt like I was at a, uh, you know, a, a women's meeting or something, all the talking. <laughs> I'm off to a really bad start today, huh? I'm off to a really bad start. Uh, listen, we just want to say, once again, it's just great to be here. We've always enjoyed coming to the Father's house. We feel like it's just our extended family in Florida. I don't know how many years I've been coming now. It's hard to say. It's been probably 15 years, 16 years since we first started coming around here. Maybe longer than that. I mean, we've known you longer, but yeah, 20 knowing each other. But coming to the Father's house and be part of this each year has just been tremendous. And I want to start out by saying um, we travel extensively and we meet a lot of ministers, a lot of pastors, a lot of staff members, uh, people that tend the flock and care for people. And and I'm not just saying this because I'm here. My wife will tell you, I say this everywhere I go, but y'all have absolutely some of the best pastors. You need to put your hands together. Come on, let them know. Okay, how many, how many Florida State fans are here? Any Florida State fans? All right. How about any Gator fans? Any, 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 how many, okay. How about, what, I can't see it, what does it say? Michigan State. I.O. Okay, so what I'm going to say is no matter what your favorite team is, when you cheer for them, you know how you cheer for your favorite team? Because I'm going to say this once more, and I want you to cheer like your favorite team is in, you know, playing. You have the best pastors in the world. Come on. Come on. You should never forget that because the Bible talks about honoring those that are leading you and, and they have led you well all these years when a lot of people would have given up through a lot of stuff I've walked through with them. Many moments in time when you don't know the battles they fight, we know the battles they fight because I've been on the board, I guess, for close to 15 years. And I will say with, with, all, <laughs> with all assurity, they have led you well, led you fine. You're in safe hands. You're in great hands. People that love you. No church is perfect, and if it was perfect, you messed it up when you walked in, and, and, and you're free to go to another church and mess it up, because everywhere you go, you're going to mess up, and they're going to mess up. We all messed up, because you have issues, I have issues, all God's children have issues, and we just keep on loving one another, another all right? So we just thank you so much for having us, and we love y'all, we love your pastors, we love your staff. You have a fantastic staff. I just love what they do to get the job done. Yeah? Come on. That's how you cheer Florida State? Because that's why they're losing, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm just, I'm not. 
Okay, all right, all right, all right. Let's get back to the word, back to the word, back to the word. Uh, hey, we want to talk for a little while today on a subject that is very dear to our heart, my heart especially as a pastor, uh, because we're going to talk about seeds in marriage, seeds. And uh, it's so important to us that we have a yearly campaign we do called a seeds campaign because seeds are vital to life. We know this, vital to our our food chain, supply chain, vital to many things that we uh, endure and we go through and that we need within our lives. And in every deed, there is a seed. Yeah. In every deed, there is a seed. That's something that stuck with me I heard for the first time many years ago. Whatever you do, the words you use, the way you respond or react, whatever it is in your life, there is a deed in every seed. Everything that we do matters. Come on, everyone say it matters. Yeah. So words today are lived tomorrow and sometimes many days after the tomorrow. Uh, the actions we have today, the habits we form today, the decisions we make today, uh, they will determine what our future will be like because there are seeds that you're planting in every word and every deed and everything you do. You can be sure that sometimes you look around, you don't like where you're at, you want to blame someone else, but most of the time it is a seed that we planted somewhere along the line we might not have recognized and we're getting a harvest maybe that we don't want. Right. And so we have to understand that that is true within our lives, in our marriage as well. So what does your marriage look like? It looks like the seeds you planted through the years. Yeah. And you might say, no, no, it's the seeds he planted. Well, probably the seed you planted is how you responded. Or the seed she planted. How you responded also a seed. And we end up throwing seed and scattering seed everywhere. And we don't like the harvest that comes up. And you might say, how, did you, how do you know that and how did you learn that? Well, years ago... Uh, I, I've, always, I've always loved people. God put a real love in my heart for people. I love people. And uh, years ago, uh, when I worked with other pastors before I started my own church, I was always very loyal. I felt like I supported them, loved them. And the one time I did leave and start my own church, you know, I, I resigned my position. I waited about seven months, and I went like 30 miles away into a whole different area of the city, and I started my own church. And when my best friend walked in that used to attend the other church, um, we were best from the time we were just kids, like eight or nine years old. I said, did you talk to your pastor about coming over here? And he said, no. I said, well, until you go talk to him, you can't be here. If you go anywhere and a pastor tries to get you to stay and they don't say go talk to your pastor, you should run from that church. Yeah. Just, just a side note. And, and so I did the same thing the next week when a, 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 just a vital musician walked in. I said, I'm sorry, until you talk to John, you cannot be in this church because I believe in loyalty. Well, in my church later on in years, and if you want to fast forward about eight or nine years, uh, you know, I'm loving the people. We're building a, a decent church at the time. And a guy comes in, I'm allowing him to preach, and he splits my church. He takes people and he leaves, he runs, and I mean, he got business people, he got people that really put a hurt on the church. Yeah. And I was so mad. Is it just me that ever gets mad sometimes? No. I'm with you. Yeah, yeah. And so I was talking to God, or praying, really complaining, and I said, God, I don't understand, I've been faithful all these years. You know, I felt like one of the prophets, only I. And, and I said, I don't understand, I've always been loyal, this is, these are not the seeds I've planted through the years. And the Holy Spirit said to me, you're right, it's not, it's his seed, but the way you respond will be your seed. So just because you might be treated wrongly sometime through your marriage, don't mean you have the right to act wrongly back. Because in every deed, there is a seed. You can either plant seeds, and you, or you can feed and get rid of the seeds and make sure there's good harvest coming in. Come on, everyone say, be careful. So in this marriage, we're going to talk about seeds in marriage. And marriage is based on the Bible. It's one of our home values. It's one of our church values. 
uh, we have those values listed. You'll see that we believe in Bible-based marriages, people that just believe in God and, and build their home upon that thought. So we focus, when we focus on what God is saying, what God is wanting, we, got, we start to plant better seed. Y'all with me? That's right. And today we really want you as an individual to discover what God has for you. We don't want you to sit there and go, man, I hope my wife hears what he is saying. Man, I hope my husband gets this because he really needs to hear this. Don't have the shovel of, man, this, I hope that couple over there, because I know what they're going through. Man, I hope they got this today. Really open your heart and be receptive to receive. Okay, God, what do you want me to discover yeah. about myself so that I can walk away a better person when we walk out of here? And in doing so, you will have a better marriage. Yeah, I want to start with a, a verse today. I think it's very important. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. This is a great one. It says, for everything there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven, a time to be born, a time to die, right? A time to plant and a time to harvest. And just like anything else, there's seasons in our marriage. There's seasons we go through. We know this after almost 39 years. Uh, most of you know our story. I'm going to be very brief because most of you probably know our story by now, but we married very young. I mentioned it last night. She was barely out of the high school, and, and her, her class went on their senior fling, and I was her senior fling. And, and so we were, we were headlong into ministry at the time already as youth pastors, became associate pastors. Within a short time, I started my first church when I was 23 and she was 21. And here I am with our, our two-year-old boy. Then we had a set of twins born. We were building our first house. I was a state youth director at the time, over 28 churches. We had a business at night, 13 janitorial businesses we took care of. So to say the least, our life was busy. While we're pastoring for seven and a half years, building a church that was growing and doing great, but all this pressure, we begin to fall apart. We, we begin to fall apart. In fact, uh, I, I was uh, clinically depressed. They, they finally diagnosed me as manic depressive bipolar disorder. They put me on 1,200 milligrams of lithium, which led to the demise of our marriage. I went on the, the lithium after our divorce. And so during that scope of time, God healed our life. He healed our marriage. He healed my mind. I've been off medicine now for 30 years, not a day of depression, not a day of anxiety. Um, but he rewired my mind. I'm not saying go home, go home on faith and get off any meds you're on because it was a long process. If you have those issues, talk to me. I'll tell you about the long process. But after that, we stayed out of the ministry for about three years just being a family. And then we started the Rock Church that we have now. Four years after starting the church, we were uh, heading home one night with me and my wife and three kids. A diesel truck runs a red light. It hits us, breaks my wife's neck in two places, breaks her back in three places, shatters every bone in her face, and kills our nine-year-old twin son, Brandon. And so um, it, wasn't, it, it wasn't one of those things you ever dream of. It's not in church planting 101, four months you will lose a child. But God had super glued us back together. He yeah. super glued and healed my mind. And we're here to tell you that in every season, there's an action and a reaction. And everything you do, there is something you can plant that will be good for your marriage or it will be bad for your marriage. And we've planted many seeds that were bad for our marriage. Yes. But now we've been back together by the grace of God, by the word of God, learning how to plant Good seeds. Come on, yeah. look, at your, look at your spouse and say, let's plant good seeds. Yeah. Can I add to this really quickly? Yep. Of the fact when we were married the first time, we were in ministry, we were doing, you know, God's thing. But sometimes busyness mm, is not can, be, <laughs> can be the destruction. Mm -hmm. 
You can get so busy in life that you're not really focusing on the priorities of life. So don't allow your marriage to get so busy that you're not dealing with the situation. Yep. You're not you're not coming together and planting the good seeds and, and having the conversations and working on all the things that you need to work on just simply because you're just so busy you don't have time to. That's really important. And, and you might not know this. You might think, well, we've been together so long, we're fine. Did you know the biggest divorce right now in, in, in the world, in, in America at least, are those who've been married 35 to 40 years? That's the largest divorce rate today. Those have been married 35 to 40 years. You can't take your eye off the ball. That's right. You have to. In fact, write this down. The key to our seasons is the seeds we're sowing during them. The key to our seasons are the seeds that we are sowing during them. Thank God the Holy Spirit helped us yeah. lean into the right things after right. we've messed up. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. Amen? So Galatians 6, 9, it's, it's, it's not, yeah, take pictures if you can. Some people are just taking pictures. That's smart. I do that at conferences. Uh, here's Galatians 6, 9. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. Come on. Everyone say, be good. Everyone say, do good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we do not give up. And I know there's so many people here today, we've been tired at different times in our marriage. We think this is never going to happen. It's never going to be what we want. It's never gonna... I'm telling you right now, we have the greatest marriage we could ever dream of having. It was through pain. It was through struggle. It was through trial. It was through all kinds of mistakes. But God. Come on, yeah. everyone say, but God. but God. And so we just believe that wherever you're at today, that if you lean in and really focus on the fact that your actions, your words, everything you do, to every deed, there is a seed. And so we just want to give you some principles along this line this morning. And the first one that we want you to really think about is sowing seeds of contentment. In the culture that we live in today, it is really perpetuated that we have so much discontentment. Mm -hmm. And it is actually if, we, if we're on Facebook and if we're on Instagram, it is really perpetuating the, the feeling of, oh my gosh, we're not doing what that person's doing. We're not going where that person's going. We're not getting what that person's getting. Susie got a new car. I need a new car. I mean, look at Look at the vacations that they're taking. You're not seeing the fights of financial dis discord that's going on in the home, but you're seeing all the things that everybody else is doing. And in fact, you're even looking at another spouse and saying, I wish my husband would do that for me. Mm. I wish my wife would cook those meals for me. I wish we could have the marriage that they have. Instead of having a heart of gratitude, mm -hmm. For the person that God gave to you, instead of focusing on the right things in your own marriage, the spirit of discontentment, the spirit of just going, man, I wish I had something different. Man, I wish he was something different. I wish she was something different. Well, it, it is the seed of discontentment that's growing the negativity of the thoughts that you have in your mind and where you're Thoughts are, that's what's going to come out of your heart, is the things of, man, and it doesn't even have to come out of your mouth. Mm -hmm. It just comes out of your heart. Mm. I wish I had something different. I wish he was something different. And this is a really powerful statement. Discontentment comes from focusing on everything we don't have instead of being grateful for what we do have. Philippians 4, 11 through... Hold on, let them take a picture real Sorry. fast because they're going to change that screen. Discontentment comes yeah. from focusing on everything that we don't have 
instead of being grateful for what we do have. Mm -hmm. Philippians 4, 11 through 13. I've learned by now to be quite content whatever my circumstances. I'm just as happy with little as with much, mm -hmm. with much as with little. I found the recipe for being happy, whether full or hungry, hands full or hands empty. Whatever I have, wherever I am, I can make it through anything and the one who makes me who I am. Mm. And when we know who we are in Christ, guess what? We can find contentment in him because he is the one that actually fulfills our lives. Yeah. And, yeah. and there's a real great misconception in marriage, again, is my, my spouse is just not making me happy. Ooh, guess what? Your spouse is not in your life to make you happy. <laughs> if you have the expectation is when I get married, I want this person to fulfill me. There is nobody that can fulfill you. Only Jesus can. Because we are married to human beings that are going to disappoint us, let us down, not be there when we think they should be there, not be who they, th who they should be. So we really have to focus on, you know what, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look to you for my joy, for my peace, for my happiness. Yeah. They are an addition. They're mm -hmm. a great addition that God wants you to have in your life. But they are not the source of joy in your life. They are not the source of peace in your life. God and God alone is. I remember years ago I read a book and it was entitled, Your Wife is Not Your Mama. And uh, I'm not saying you should read it. I'm just saying it's, it's a good thought. Uh, when, when we do, when we used to do marriage counseling all the time, and we, we do it selectively now with some of our leaders, but when we used to do it all the time, I had a setup question I would ask people. I would say, was he or she like that when you married them? And they couldn't get out of it no matter the answer because if they said, well, yes, I was like, well, did you expect them to change? You can't marry expecting people to change. And if they said no, and I said, no, they weren't like this at all. I said, well, look what you've done to them. Um, I'm just thinking, right? So how do, we sow, how do we sow seeds of contentment? That's the question. How do we come to a place where we're just sowing these seeds correctly? And I think you have to go back to remember when you first met what it was that drew you together. You remember when you first met and you couldn't see each other enough? You couldn't talk to each other enough? You weren't talking about heavy details. You weren't talking about things that you had to correct and fix. And you were just glad to be with one another. You found the beauty in the person. And sometimes you got to take a walk down memory lane. And that's why I loved some of those questions when they said, what was the most fun you ever had on a vacation? We, we have trouble answering that. We're like, well, it could have been, well, it could have been, it's probably, well, I'm not sure, but remember. Yeah. Because sometimes we forget. Yeah. And we have so much about our Christian life, which is about forgetting the past. What he's saying when he means that is forget all that problem, forget all that difficulties, forget. All, but sometimes you've got to turn back to see victories to know that you can go through it again. And some of the victories you've had when you were younger, some of that, that, some of that spark, that, some of that stuff, right, that, that contentment you had back then, you've got to revisit that in your mind and remember the beauty, remember the, the good things that were there. Pay attention to who they are. Compliment one another. Quit, quit having those little ver verbal barbs at one another you call joking. You, 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 listen, and she'll tell you, we, we can do that. We can get to where the other one's the butt of our joke. You know, they're the ones that we just kind of, and we do it sometimes flavorful. But sometimes when you're irritated, <laughs> yeah, we can tell the difference when you're not laughing. Like, <laughs> yeah, oh. uh -huh. I know where you live, sucker. <laughs> and so it's, it's important, you know. So sometimes we focus and say, yeah, but they bug me. Uh, here's the newsflash. You bug them too. 
We all bug one another. It's just the way it is. Suck it up, buttercup, because it's just the way it is. And so, all right, number two, we'll go to our next thought today. Number two, uh, sow seeds of adventure. Not just contentment, but sow seeds of adventure. Why is it that we dream as children, we have such a great wonder, not wonder, but wonder, and we become adults and we start squashing our dreams. We, st- we stop having adventure. We stop thinking. And one thing I love about life is adventure. I'm adventurous. My wife knows that. She's become very adventurous. We have a great time together. Uh, you know, someone may have just thought, but we, have, we haven't adventured in 15 years. Well, that's, that's what I'm talking about. Too many spouses say we've just grown apart. No, you don't just grow apart. You stop choosing to grow together. You you don't just drift apart. You just stop being intentional about growing and making sure we're together. And so that's what this type of seed does. It makes sure you're on the same page. You're having fun together. You're, You're keeping spice in your life, right? Because usually we grow apart when people, couples stop having fun. We, we, we have couples all the time that just, they talk about issues their entire life because they can't resolve them. What I always tell couples, and here's a great thought for you, quit talking about issues every day. Why don't you find one day a week where you can sit down for an hour and you can call it your issue hour and talk them out. So the rest of your week, you don't have to worry about that. And it's not like a notch in the gun where you're like, well, I'm writing this down in my problem journal. What we found out is if you focus on one moment in time that you don't always bring those issues up, a lot of those issues would just go away because you're being petty. You're, you're just being sensitive, right? Because I used to be that guy. She'll tell you that's what, was, that's what was crazy about my life. I wasn't who I am right now. I was very sensitive. Every little thing she said, I was like, yeah, you, you made someone else, didn't you? And don't act like I'm the only one that's ever thought that or said that or went through that or, you know, was that individual. So I think it's important. Look at this. Uh, Adventuring. Proverbs 17, 21. A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit saps a person's strength. You know, the lineage of my my family, my wife and I have been going through some health stuff lately. We just did the lifeline thing. We found out we're both very healthy, which is good. You know, our hearts and our blood flow and our, our no arthritis and all this good stuff. And But the health, the health of my family is terrible. My family's always sick. My dad died at 67. His only brother died at 67. His mom died at 67. I'm, I'm going to live to at least 100. Maybe at 100, I'll lay down my Harley Davidson and just, you know, just quit riding motorcycles at 100. But I think the truth of, the li- the truth of life is we, we, we don't have strength because we don't have fun. That's good. Our hearts, one version of that scripture says, but a broken spirit dries the bones, dries the marriage, saps the strength. Those are the thoughts you want to think about. You know that blah feeling you sometimes have when you wake up in the morning? No one, no one wants to have that in their marriage. No one wants to feel like their marriage is just... Well, I'm just awake again, living just another day, and we're going through the motions. That's what we do not want to have in our life. It's as if we've asked ourselves, when is the last time, when is the last time we've really laughed together? Have you asked yourself, when is the last time you've laughed together? You know, laughter in a marriage has been proven to reduce stress and tension. Laughter in a marriage is a st- uh, stimulation of an immune system. It's an increase of a natural painkiller in the blood, a decrease in systemic inflammation, a reduction of blood pressure. It lifts your spirits. It brings couples closer together, and it can help keep a a relationship fresh. Mm. I think of it as, you know what? Laughter is like a magic pill. You guys are all looking for the magic pill to keep you young, 
You're looking at the infomercials to tell you all the things to keep you healthy, and you're like, oh, we need, to, we need to order that pill. Well, guess what? Laughter in a marriage is a magic pill mm. that's going to keep so many areas of your life healthy and long living. Yeah, that's good. But I, I don't think people understand that laughter comes from an internal position called joy. Yes. And, and, and joy and happiness are not the same thing. Happiness depends on what's happening. Right. Joy is the fruit of the spirit. You, yeah. You've got to produce and cultivate yeah, the spirit so in your life. You've got to cultivate yeah. joy. So sometimes you just have to choose to laugh. Yeah. That sounds strange, right? Choose to laugh. But it's like choosing to be at peace. It's like choosing to have long suffering. It's, it's a choice we make. Years ago, I was teaching in our church, and we were just a smaller church back then, maybe 150 people. And we had these little thin, hard chairs. And I was teaching, saying, sometimes, you know, joy is a force. You just got to reach down and give it a good gut-busting laugh. And, and instead, I said, you got to reach down and give it a good butt-gusting laugh. And everybody was laughing, and I mean, out of control laughing. About the time we got calm, one of my <clears throat> guys who's still with me after 30 years, he bent down to pick up a pencil and went, oh. yeah. I'll tell you what happened. He gave a good butt gusting laugh, and we had to close service down. We just had to close service down. So it just, we never got it back. It's important. To There's been times where we've gone through difficult seasons. We've been through some, maybe some tense moments or times. Mm. And we intentionally find a comedy to watch together. Just a, a funny movie that's just gonna make us laugh together. So maybe there's just little keys to going, okay, we can, we can lift this moment. We can not have so much heaviness and so much yeah. tension in the home right now. Yeah. Let's, let's just choose to laugh together. Melissa said that no one makes her laugh like I do. No one makes her laugh as much as I do. It's one of, my, one of her favorite traits of who I am because I'll go out of my way for a good laugh. That's mm -hmm. just what I do. But I found the joy of the Lord that healed my mind, and I refused to let go of it. People right. forgot marriage should be fun. That's right. Marriage should be fun. Yeah. Marriage should be fun. Yeah. Marriage should be fun. Yeah. Now, they're cheering like that was their favorite college team right there. <laughs> so, it's easy to get caught up in the day-to-day -day responsibilities. We've got to be able to say today what fun will we have. That's right. This is a powerful statement to write down. A marriage without a sense of humor is like a wagon without springs. It gets jolted by every pebble or every rocky road in life. Mm -hmm. You cannot allow the difficulties of life to steal the joy and the, the loving mm -hmm. power that a, that a humorous relationship can actually bring. You have to sow seeds of adventure. Mm -hmm. And one of those ways that we intentionally so seeds of adventure and bringing laughter into our relationship is making sure that we have a date night. Date night. Date night is vital to every marriage. Wait, wait. Before she says this, I want to tell you about this story I heard of this conference. This marriage conference is going on. And the pastor stood up. And it was actually a men's conference. And he was talking to the men. He said, hey, let me ask you a question, guys. How healthy is your love life in your marriage? How many here have sex at least three times a week? You know, and some of the hands went up. And this one old guy just sat there. And he said, now, how many of you have sex at least once a week? Hands went up. And this old guy just sat there. And. He said, well, how many have sex at least once a month? You know, some hands went up, and this little guy just sat there. Finally said, how many have sex once a year? This old guy said, you know, lifted his hand. He said, can I ask you a question? You're, you only have sex once a year. Why are you so excited? He said, tonight's the night. <laughs> <laughs> date night, date night. Ha <laughs> ha
coffee everywhere. You mean after your moves last night, what in the night? <laughs> oh, man. Oh. Woo, we could be friends. <laughs> Never a dull moment around here. You know, date night really is more than just going, oh, yeah, we have date night. We go to the, right. we go to dinner and we go to movies right. every single week right. or at least every other week or so. Mm-hmm. There's more to date night than just doing the same thing mm-hmm. that you always get in the rut of doing over and over again. And really, intentionality, when you're sitting at a movie, there's not any type of interaction going on during a movie. Your focus isn't each other, it's the screen. So what we have come to the conclusion is, yes, you can do that. It's fun to go to dinner and movie every once in a while. I'm not saying that that's not okay, because that is, it is an enjoyable date. But what I'm going to challenge each and every one of you is to really dig deeper, to really think about what could we do as something out of the ordinary. And what we have actually decided to do is he will plan the date one week, and then the next week I plan the date. Now, life is busy. Sometimes we don't get to this every week, and we're gone a lot. So sometimes it doesn't happen when we're traveling. But we we do it in another state. (laughs) Or we do it in another state. But... What we plan is, when I'm planning the date, it's all a secret and a surprise. He has no idea what I'm planning to do for that week. And so it's actually come to the point where when he plans the date, I'm excited about the day because I don't know what he's got planned. I don't know what's going to happen. It's almost like an adventure. like, And it doesn't even matter what it is. And one of the rules that we have is no matter how bad the date goes, there's no complaining. Yeah. No matter I, I took, what a bust, no matter game, what a bust it is. I took her for a game night one night. We were going to play pool and stuff, and, man, we showed up at a flea bar. You know what I'm saying? It was, it was, <laughs> it was it a was bad, bad. I mean, I was like, There's, this is not a good place. And she was, she was like, <laughs> you know, but, but you do dream of different things. Like one night I went down, I got her favorite food and favorite salad, and, and I blindfolded her and drove around for a while. Then when we got to where he's at, I carried her, and I set her down, and I had a tent set up with the flaps up. She didn't know where he's at, and music was playing. And so her job was to just enjoy the meal and guess where we were at. Just guess where I took you. And she was like, I hear jets, so I know we're out west. And we sat there laughing for the longest time, and we let the flaps down. We were actually in our own backyard. So, and then she planned one that was. Yeah, I took him on a hike. And so it's not too far from our house. It was like a short mile hike to a waterfall, and it was just cute. And so what I had planned is when he goes, he went to the restroom. Well, I had a picnic in the trunk that I took out to the little table that for was sunset. sitting out there for sunset mm-hmm. picnic. And so I put it all out. He comes out. He's surprised. And we're sitting there, and we're just talking and having a good time. Well, when the sun started going down, we ha- I had candlelight, and we had a light there. Well, hundreds of moths hundreds. decided to join us in our picnic. Hundreds of moths. And so we're sitting there, and we're talking, and moths are just landing in his hair, and it's all over my hair, and we're just trying to swat them away from each other. So even if things don't go necessarily as planned, you can actually still have <laughs> That wasn't the, the night. <laughs> Plan something different, you know. Go Plan go roller skating different. like you used something to. Something different. Still... And guess what? There is a really great avenue of finding some great ideas. And you might be sitting there going, you have no idea. We have no money. We can't go on dates. No, That's expensive. We have true. kids. We'll barter with another couple that maybe that month you'll watch their kids while they take a date or, you know, vice versa. So that you can make it happen because there's not anything. If you want it bad enough, you're going to make a way. 
right? And there's a thing called Google. And you could Google cheap date nights ideas. And there is all kinds of things. You don't even have to leave the house sometimes. You can just get rid of the kids. Or if you don't have kids, you can just be there. And you can make a pizza together and have all these crazy toppings and just make a pizza together. Or, you know, set up lights in your room and, <laughs> and have a, a what? romantic night. Yeah. No, I mean, like, you know, string nights, lights, and dance in your front. You like strobe lights and... One time, we, we'd been traveling quite extensively. We were just tired, so it was her night to plan date night. She said, we're going to stay home. We're going to play games. And I'm like, oh, boy, because she loves every game. And I'm like, I love certain games. And so she said, we're going to play Battleship. And I'm thinking, I haven't played Battleship since I was a kid. I went out to Walmart and bought Battleship. Yeah, she actually, is, paid, actually paid like $14 and brought Battleship home. I'm like, okay, well, this, okay, Battleship, cool. And so she said, but it's going to be fun. We're going to play Strip Battleship. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She sunk my Battleship. <laughs> And so, <laughs> and so, whatever it is, don't, don't lose your sense of adventure. Sense of adventure. Don't lose having fun. Don't lose what you have at the best of times just because you go through hard times. Mm -hmm. Make sure you keep sowing seeds of adventure. Number three, last one we'll talk about for a while. Number three, sow seeds of unity. Yes. Sow seeds of unity. That's huge, because I mentioned last night, sometimes we fight for our rights instead of fighting for our marriage. And one of the fellows I was talking to afterwards, I can't remember exactly who it was, but we was talking about it, and he said, well, because you're one flesh, when you fight for your marriage, you're actually fighting for yourself, right? Yeah, that was I, right over there. Just wave at everybody. He's got wisdom beyond, because he met in 40 days and got married. And... and <clears throat> And, uh, but that's true. It's unity. It's, it's important because when we're unified with our spouse, come on, the world. Now, here, here's the truth. My wife and I learned a long time ago, we cannot, we cannot work in the same office. We, we work differently, you know, and, and we had to, because we first had our own office together and it was like a week. I said, we got to move you out. We just got to, you know, take you in another office because we don't think alike. We don't process alike. We don't, we don't. I'm loud, and all those things don't line up with what we needed to do. So I think we have to think through processes, that's for sure. But when we're on the same page, I, I've always said, because I heard this years ago, when we're on the same page, I can charge hell with a squirt gun. But when we're not on the same page, I wouldn't charge hell with water cannons behind me because it's just, it's just not powerful. It's not good. So... We learned a long time ago things we have to do to, to do this life dance together. Sunday mornings, we don't ride together. We don't even hardly talk to one another because the enemy likes to come on Sunday morning and just create stuff within us. And so we just, I stand my side of the house. She stays over there. I'm getting ready in my bathroom. I'm like, hey, praying for you. Um, and we do. We do take a moment. We pray together and stuff like that. But we just know it's not a good time because we just think different. We process different. We have to know those areas because we want to make sure the seeds we're sowing are seeds of unity. Uh, we're, we're, we're not that couple that's got all of it together. No couple does. I thought about, I thought about the nations and um, uh, who else was it? Oh, Andrea and, and Vance. We don't argue. <laughs> that must be nice. Um, because, but I will tell you this. 
in that comparison role, they still have their issues. Yeah. They still have their issues because we all do. And we have to fight for, for unity. And we can't just have unity. We have to possess and create unity in our home. So when we link arms together, we walk together. We, aff- you know, we affirm one another in our, in our life. And we sow, find ways to sow seeds of agreement rather than disagreement. I think that is phenomenally strong and powerful according to the scripture, according to the word that's strong and powerful. That's right. Um, Ecclesiastes 4.12 says, A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. And this is illustrated in, in kind of a visual way when I think of this scripture. I think of us standing alone and trying to fight for our marriage over here like, God, you know, you go get him. God, do something with that man. You know, when you're fighting on your own, and there's nothing wrong with praying for your spouse because, yes, you need to pray for your spouse. But when we're trying to do life alone and we're trying to do it on our own, we're easily defeated. But it's like a western movie now you've seen those westerns where they stand back to back and the enemy's out there because sometimes we are so busy making this our enemy you're taking fire from everywhere you're you're making this your enemy but in reality if you think of it as you're standing back to back like the western movies where the enemy's out there because the enemy is all around us shooting at us and trying to take us out at every way it can so if we stand back to back and we're on the same team hashtag same team and we're fighting the right enemy out there we are taking out our enemy when we're standing back to back and we are knowing exactly what's between us is god and that three braided cord cannot be broken when we have christ at the cornerstone of our marriage very good very good. Years ago, we were at a, a, a leadership conference, and they taught on a thing called phalanx. And I just, the word got me. I never heard the word phalanx. Some of you may know what the word is. It's a military term. You would see it in the movie The Spartans, or The 300. And it's how they, it's how they overcome enemies that would be greater than them. They linked arms, and they moved as one. They would link arms and move as one. When the enemy attacked, they would cover one another. Right. They would shield each other. That's, that's what it's like in our marriage. You're supposed to link arms or stand back to back, as you talked about. That's why we get names like Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. And these, these people through the years, you watch fight their way out of trouble because they were watching the other side. They were watching the enemy. And sometimes, if we're not careful, that becomes our enemy. And when you're standing there, and it's different praying for your spouse or what you would call sick in the Holy Spirit on your spouse. You're not, you're not praying the way you're supposed to pray. You're praying benefits and blessings. And, oh, God, I pray that you would just bless her and just, you know, you're not change your heart, change it. No, God, just... Just, just let her see the goodness of who you There's are. There's a great illustration in this that I just popped in my head about. You're moving Miss, me over here. Yeah. Okay. So a lot of times us as wives, we, we feel like we need to be our husband's Holy Spirit. We need to help God out. She knows. So she knows. She has experience. I have experienced this yeah. of trying to tell him what he needs to change. And I know that God would tell him to change this. But I don't know that God's speaking to him as loud as what I can speak to him. So... <laughs> So I'm just like, you know, telling him the things that he needs to change and he needs to do. Well, a lot of times, if I would just get out of the way, guess what? The Holy Spirit can hit him a lot harder than what I can actually Mm. hit him if I just get out of the way and let God do what he needs to do in my husband's life. Yeah, and I think sometimes people don't understand that when you get in that position where you're standing in the way of God, come on, you're, 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 listen, it's amazing to me when you get out of the way and let God be God, right? 
I mean, if you're standing between your husband and God or your wife and God, guess who's closer to God? So it's important to understand that, that you have to say, you know what, this is all about us getting together and being unified. And there's only one way, really, really only one way that both of you would seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's right. I mean, really, that's, that's the key, right? I mean, the greatest commandment to what? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, to love your neighbor as yourself. Well, who is my neighbor? Well, guess what? Your greatest neighbor outside of God is that spouse sitting right there next to you. Because my first ministry is to God. That's my worship. That's my sacrifice. That's who I am. But my second ministry stands right here with me. Mm-hmm. She stands with me. See, there was a time I sacrificed our marriage on the altar of ministry. Because mm-hmm. I didn't realize that she is my ministry outside of God. She is my first stop after God. And so we have to see that that is true. That she is my first ministry. Mm-hmm. And so th- I have to make sure that I'm taking care of that long before I take care of anyone else, long before I take care. Come on. And when I say my first ministry, my first ministry is to God. What does that mean? That means the first part of my day is given to him, yeah. and the first part that I give, I give to him is allowing him to work on me. Yeah. It's allowing him to work on me. Yeah. It's not just I'm praying for what I want, what I need, and protection. No, my first part of my day every day, my, my phone goes off in the middle of the morning, early morning, it says renew your mind. Because of my past, I spend the first part of my day working on me. And that takes a while. Well, I can't pray for an hour. I can because I let God deal with me. And that takes him some time. And so it's important to know that you have to renew your mind. In fact, you got to think about what you're thinking about. Because later on in my day, my phone will go off again and say T-A-W-T-A, which means think about what you're thinking about. Most Christians don't take inventory of their thoughts. And then you get irritated at your husband or your wife during the day. You're at work. You're frustrated. You're thinking bad thoughts. And you get home. They're wondering why you're in a bad mood. It's because you're stinking thinking. Yeah. So you're not sowing seed dis- discord in your own mind, in your own heart. You can't sow seeds of unity in your home when you're sowing seeds of discord in your own mind throughout the day. Mm-hmm. So you've got to take an inventory, renew your mind, get a new thought. And one way we, we talk about this is, is if you're not growing together in God, you can grow anywhere. Right? So many people get married on this level, but they don't get married on this level. So when you get married on this level, from there you can grow anywhere. She can grow anywhere. But we have this diagram we saw years ago. And it's not it, and really dark. I was <coughs> going to do it on another board, but if you could see can this. You, it's like a triangle. Can you see the triangle, everything? It's me, you, then God at the top. So we do, we do agree together on this level. We, we, get, we get this horizontal agreement. But the way we get it is by the vertical relationship. When you really seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, you will always grow together to God. You'll always come together in God. And so we just say to you that you have to consider the fact that fighting for your marriage is the key. That if you will just think to yourself, what can I do today? What can I do today to just make sure I'm unifying with my spouse? What can I do today to just have some fun and adventure together? Planting the right seeds. Yeah. yeah. Planting the right words. I'm going to send a text out today that's just going to compliment something that I thought about him doing that he doesn't have to do. It's expected of him. I expect him to take the trash out. I expect him. So we get more of an expectation. I expect him. Why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do No. How about just being grateful? Thank you. Thank you for doing the dishes. Yeah, it's my job. It's what I do, but thank you. And really just kind of making a mental note of it to just, wow, I can't wait till you get home today. I'm really excited about seeing you today. Just something that would make them go, whoa, what did she do? 
am I in trouble, <laughs> you know, or something like that. Really make it a point to where you're planting good seeds, right seeds, putting it in your phone as a reminder. He has it in his phone. Be kind to Melissa. BKTM. I do. I do. Be kind Goes to off Melissa. Every day. It reminds me to send her a nice text or buy her some flowers or write her a Because we don't or... naturally sometimes think, oh, there you go. That's really quick. You guys are fast. You must have already thought of that. I mean, you've already must have illustrated that some other time. But it is really good to really put a, a reminder in your phone, put a post-it note somewhere at your job to just not just take for granted the other person, but be intentional to plant the right seeds inside of your marriage because you will grow a great harvest when you do that. Yeah, and let me, let me, let me, let me say it like this. When, and we have, you know, built houses before. You've, you've bought a house or built a house, right? When you're building a home or even buying a home, um, the foundation is never the attractive or sexy part, right? right. It's the decor, the way the layout, the, the, the way the house is open or the way you like it. No one ever thinks the foundation, but yet if a storm comes, a hurricane comes, a tornado comes, the thing that matters most is what you thought wasn't important. It was the foundational things that really mattered to what you built. And so you have to say to yourself, okay, so these foundational things is what makes the decor of our marriage really worth having. Mm -hmm. It's what makes the design of what we have together that really matters. You have to make sure you're sowing seeds into the foundational things of your marriage because that is the only thing that will last during a storm. That's right. Okay? We know you have been blessed by today's excerpt from Married People Date Night with Pastors Kevin and Melissa Goff. Here at TFH, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life. And we would love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps are in your relationship with Jesus and you're fulfilling a great marriage, go to thefathershouse.com slash marriage. Have a blessed day.